All right, good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good morning. Happy 4th of July. I hope you have some good, fun plans today. Don't poke your eyes out with fireworks. Uh, I have like a million kids, and I'm getting together with my family, and we all have a million kids. And so I'm just praying. Just pray for me today, okay? That, that one sparkler doesn't start a mad fire in my house or in my family. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, hey, if you're new today, we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to connect with you. Please come up and say, hey, grab a connect card on your way out, whatever it may be. Uh, we would love to, to meet you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, help you take the next steps, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, this summer, we have gotten off to a great start. We've had our sports camp. We've done so many things in the community, uh, so many opportunities to serve. We have mission trips coming up and all sorts of ways to get involved. And so if you haven't checked out the calendar for the summer, please go to the website and find out more about the events and things coming up and the way that you can make the most of your summer, not just for vacation, but for Jesus, all right? And so it's going to be a great time. We're going to continue to press in, serve our community, and continue to provide opportunities to serve the world. And so please Please check that out, and we'd love for you to join us. Uh, last month, if you were here, uh, if you were not, let me explain this to you real quick. We spent four weeks kind of walking through some really important questions about Christianity, about the Bible, about some of the doubts you may be having, and basically about what does Jesus and Christianity have to say uh, to answer life's biggest questions. Uh, so we had a four-week series about it, and we had a conference about it to answer some of the questions about Christianity and cultural issues, ethical dilemmas, all sorts of things. And so if you haven't listened to that or had time or heard that we were through that, uh, please make sure to check out the Instructions of Reconstruction series and conference on the podcast or on YouTube, because this is going to go hand in hand now uh, with the next 10 weeks, because we're going to spend the next 10 weeks answering the question, who is Jesus? And so we spent the last four weeks answering some of the questions you may have about the Bible, about Christianity, about some of the hot kind of cultural issues of the day and some of the ways Christianity is perceived in the world. We answered the questions about uh, your purpose and your identity and the biggest questions you have in life about where you belong and where you fit in. And now we kind of narrow the focus and we answer the most important question in the entire world, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Uh, as we saw in the video, time was literally split in two based off who this man was and is, and I think our life ought to be split in two based off knowing him or not. And so if you're here today uh, and you haven't quite decided to follow Jesus or you don't really know him, I'm so glad that you are here. We're going to explore who he is, help you answer that question. If you're here today and you do know him, I hope to explore him in such a way that you learn to know him and love him more. And so here's the plan for the next 10 weeks. I'm going to lay this out for you. Number one, you should have a guy scripture journal on your uh, seat there. Uh, whenever we work through a book of the Bible, which is most of the time around here, we give you one of these to help you navigate reading it for yourself. And so remember, uh, man shall not live by sermons alone. The goal is not for you to listen to me talk or whoever uh, and then go about your merry way. The goal is for you to engage with God himself by the Holy Spirit who lives in you through trust and faith in Jesus. We have this scripture journal, and so you can take notes. You can take notes in the sermon. You can read it throughout your day. You can engage with God yourself. And so this is really important for you and for me. Uh, I hope, as I always say, that sermons are just the cherry on top. You get your ice cream from Jesus himself, okay, with your time with him. And so I want you to develop a strong, strong devotion and love for God's word. That's where you're really going to grow. And so this is our gift to you. Please take one. Please use it. Uh, mark it up. 
and we're going to work through the Gospel of Mark as we answer this question. The second book that's gonna, that has been made available to you, and there's more outside, uh, is this called Christianity Explored. And so this is an important uh, little book, and I have found it very helpful. And so this book basically has eight different sections. It has seven sections and then this little off section, so I just put it together as eight. Uh, and it helps you walk through the Gospel of Mark and answer the most important question in the world, who is Jesus? And so as I'm engaging with someone who might be new to the faith, maybe you're here today and you are new to the faith, or maybe you're here today and you're exploring it, maybe you're open to what it means to know and love Jesus, but you're not sure yet what that means for you. Uh, if you know somebody in your life that could uh, be helped with some sort of process or a way for them to explore this, uh, this is my go-to for helping someone explore Christianity, helping someone explore Jesus. And so we've made this available to each of you. Now here's what we're going to do is we're going to preach a sermon in correlation to each session in the book and hopefully join these two things together, sermons and the sessions, to create a tool that you can use to help your family or friends explore Jesus or to create a tool for yourself to use to explore Jesus. And so there will be a sermon for each session, which means that our cover through Mark is going to be a very high level, uh, several chapters at a time uh, cover instead of like verse by verse but we want to connect it to this. And so here's what I'm asking for many of you. If you are here and you do love and know Jesus, I want you to consider, is there a friend or a family member in your life that would be willing to explore Jesus going through this book with you? So next week, we're going to start uh, connecting the sessions with the sermons. And maybe there's somebody in your life you know that would be willing to listen to the sermon or that would be willing to explore Christianity and explore Jesus. We're making as many of these books available to you as there are. And so if you can take five, take five. If you can take 10, take 10. If you can start a group with people that are willing to explore Jesus for eight weeks, do that. If you have one friend or family member that wants to do that, do that. If you're here today and you are on the exploring side and you're trying to figure out who is Jesus, uh, hopefully you came with somebody that you know. If not, we would love to explore this with you. We'd love to just join you in your exploration of who is Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, what am I getting myself into with all of this? This book will be really helpful to you as you navigate the answers to those questions and as you go directly to the source, the Bible, as opposed to learning about Jesus from the news or social media or from culture. And so I want you to take these and I want you to ask the Lord, man, what is it that you would have me do for you? through these next eight weeks? Who is it that he might be bringing to mind uh, that you could invite to explore Christianity together? You can work through this book. And so normally what I'll do, if I have somebody in my life that's interested in exploring Jesus, uh, I'll have them work through a session and then we'll talk about it. And then they'll work through another session and then we'll talk about it. And then over time at the end, you kind of come to a decision about whether this is something they want to do and believe or not. And so simply what we wanted to do is provide a message and a sermon that goes with the sessions so that together this could be a tool that you use to help people explore Jesus or a tool that you use to explore Jesus yourself. Here's something I want, I want you to understand because I want each of you to feel and to know that God wants to do something significant in and through your life and that it's much simpler than you think. And so here's a little, uh, a little equation I think would be helpful for many of you who do call yourself Christ followers and who do want to make a difference for Christ with your life, is that one conversation plus one invitation can really equal a life transformation. And so, so many times we get so caught up 
in uh, answering every question or in figuring out everything, or maybe those of you who are here, you get so caught up in knowing what to do and not to do, and it's, it's too big and complicated in terms of sharing Jesus, answering questions. And I want to simplify for you, and I want to give you a goal over these next eight weeks to those of you who are here and you say, I do follow Jesus. I want to give you a goal to make one conversation and to give one invitation. An invitation to come to church, an invitation to explore Christianity with you in this red book. One effort at a spiritual conversation, not to say you have all the answers, but I want to empower you that it's simpler than you think, that you don't need a pastor around to do this, and that God himself, through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, has equipped you to do this for him. One conversation plus one invitation can really equal a life transformation. You never know what God will do through one word, one sentence, one conversation, or one invitation. And so my challenge to you who are here and you say you do know and love Jesus is that over these next eight weeks, you would make it a goal to have one very intentional spiritual conversation and that you would have one, uh, that you would make one invitation to join you in exploring Jesus and make the most of this book. If you're here today and you haven't answered this question yet, who is Jesus? Or if you haven't really even considered it yet, maybe somebody brought you to church today and you decided to come just to be nice, or they, maybe they've asked you a million times and you're like, if I come once, they'll stop asking me, or whatever it is that you're here today, whatever the reason is that you're here today, uh, but you haven't quite decided on this answer yet, and you haven't quite decided on what to do with this man, Jesus, or really what to do with your life, I am so, so glad that you're here. And I hope that you not only give us the time today, but that you would give us these next 10 weeks to help you answer this question fully and finally. Would you come for these next 10 weeks to give a final effort at exploring who Jesus really is? That you would get the real picture from the Bible, not from the news, not from social media, not from your tradition, and not from even maybe how you were raised, but that you would get the clear, direct answer to this question from the Bible itself, and that you would be able to make an ultimate and final decision about whether Jesus is worth following or not. I think this would be worth today, thank you for being here, but also worth these next 10 weeks for you to decide who is this Jesus really. Ultimately, my desire today and over these next 10 weeks is that we would be inflamed in love for Jesus. That we would be all consumed with devotion to Jesus, that we would not be fooled by the depiction of Jesus in culture, but that we would come to know him for who he really is, that we would no longer settle for being bored with Jesus, that we would no longer settle for an average, ho-hum devotion to Jesus, that we would no longer settle for simply church involvement, but for a real awesome, life-giving, life-transforming, life-changing relationship with Jesus. That Jesus himself is so much better than you could ever imagine or dream. That you were made for a relationship with him. And he is the very thing you have been searching for. And maybe some of you are here today and you are in the middle of that search. And I'm here to tell you Jesus is the thing that you have been looking for your entire life. For your life to make sense and for you to find purpose and fulfillment. But also to many of you who call yourself Christ followers, but you have gotten off the track. Jesus is the thing. You, listen. Listen, this is very important. You did not become a Christian because you liked church. 
You did not become a Christian because you wanted to affiliate with a religious tradition. You did not become a Christian because you wanted to serve other people. You became a Christian because you wanted to follow Jesus. You were enamored with Jesus. Not a church, not a pastor, not a religion, not a way of life, just Jesus. You thought, oh my goodness, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the satisfaction of my soul. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, my friend. Jesus, my Lord. Oh, I'm all about Jesus. And that's how you came in, and you know it. You were amazed at who Jesus was and is, and you were enamored by him. And then all of a sudden you get caught up in this thing called Christianity or this way of religion, which has many really, really good aspects to it. But along the way, you have lost this simple love for and devotion to Jesus. And you have gotten so caught up in so many good things, even Christian things, but you have gotten distracted and you have lost your way from where you began. And you have really lost, if you were honest with yourself, your love and affection and awe for Jesus himself. And now your form of Christianity is a practice of religion as opposed to the enjoyment of a relationship with him. You didn't start this because church was great or because you thought some pastor was helpful or because you thought being religious would be a good idea. You started this because somebody shared the gospel of Jesus with you and you were overwhelmed with who he is and his love for you. And my goal is that we would go back to that today, especially in a world, even amongst churches and Christians, where there are fights and priorities separate from who Jesus really is, that we would come back to the center to say we are here for him. We desire a relationship with him. We will settle for nothing less than love and devotion and an experience of his presence and who he really is. This is our core value, number one, at City Light, that we are all about Jesus. But many of you have lost what we once had with him, and I hope to return to that this morning. Here's something I want to show you. As this first sermon today is more of an overview of some of Mark, and then we'll get more into the details next week. What I want to show you this morning, and this is very important, is that the actual Jesus, the real Jesus, I want to show you how everyone responded to him. Because what I want you to see is being bored or ho-hum or okay as a response to Jesus is simply not an option for the real Jesus. Nobody ever met Jesus and thought, cool. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever met Jesus and thought, okay, that was all right. I'm going to go back and eat some dinner. Nobody ever met Jesus and thought, well, you know, he's a nice guy. That's a cool cat. You know, he's a good dude. No. No, nobody ever met Jesus and thought, well, maybe if I could spend a little more time with him, you know, maybe I'll give him five minutes tomorrow instead of the two minutes today. Nobody ever did that. I want, I want to show you something, and I have been so convicted by this, that the only appropriate reaction to Jesus is an extreme one. That's the only appropriate reaction to Jesus. And if your reaction to Jesus or to his presence to his word, is anything less than extreme, then you're missing the real Jesus. 
You've missed it. If your reaction to the word of God and Jesus being presented in that is, okay. You've missed it. You're just missing it. If your reaction to Jesus is just ordinary or whatever or that's sort of good or yeah, cool, then you've totally, completely missed the real Jesus. Nobody, nobody reacted to him like that while he was here. Every reaction was good, was really extreme for good or for worse. They either loved him and were amazed at him or they hated him and thought he was crazy. But nobody left Jesus thinking, okay. And I think my own heart and many of us often respond to Jesus that way today. Okay. Cool. Good word, Pastor. You open the Bible, you think, all right, I read it for today. Okay. Ho-hum. Cool. And that's simply not an option. So let me read with you this morning and let your heart be renewed into how you should actually respond to Jesus. From chapter 1 to chapter 16, let me read you the responses to Jesus. They'll be on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching. Chapter 1, verse 27. And they were all amazed. Chapter 2, verse 12, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God. Chapter 4, verse 41, and they were filled with great fear. Chapter 5, verse 15, and they were afraid. Chapter 5, verse 20, and everyone marveled. Chapter 5, 42, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Chapter 6, verse 2, and many who heard him were astonished. Chapter 6, verse 50, and every, for they saw him and they were terrified. Chapter 6, verse 51, and they were utterly astounded. Notice real quick that the word astounded doesn't do it justice anymore. Now he's going to start adding adjectives because he doesn't know what else to say. And so instead of them being astounded, they are utterly astounded. Chapter 7, verse 37, now we got more adjectives. And they were astonished beyond measure. He doesn't know how to say it anymore. Astonished doesn't do it justice. Saying, oh, they were astonished by Jesus feels too low. And so now he's going higher. And he's saying, they were astonished beyond measure. Verse 9, chapter 9, verse 6, and they were terrified. Chapter 9, 15, and they were, not just amazed, greatly amazed. Chapter 10, 24, and the disciples were amazed at his words. I like this one, chapter 10, 26, more, ad, more adjectives, and they were exceedingly astonished. Chapter 10, 32, and they were amazed, and those who followed him were afraid. Chapter 11, verse 18, for they feared him because the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Chapter 12, 17, and they marveled at him. Chapter 15, verse 5, so that Pilate was amazed. And chapter 16, verse 8, for trembling and astonishment had seized him. They said, nothing seized them they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid trembling astonished amazed astounded utterly astounded astonished beyond measure greatly amazed these are the reactions when someone encounters the real Jesus and so it is with us today the only appropriate reaction to Jesus is an extreme one and my prayer is that not only in my own heart but in our hearts this morning and throughout these next 10 weeks that these words and this reaction to Jesus would be renewed in the life of our church 
that this reaction to Jesus would be renewed in your heart. That ho-hum, oh well, okay, that's cool, would no longer be your reaction to who Jesus is, to reading the word of God, to encountering his presence, but that now, by the grace of God, we would respond rightly to who he is by being amazed, astonished, afraid, and astounded. When Jesus was here, this was the only way people responded to him. And now I wonder if our lack of desire for reading the Bible was really a symptom of a lack of awe for Jesus. If our lack of sharing the gospel starts with a lack of wonder at who he is, that we are no longer greatly amazed by his presence, that we are no longer utterly astounded by his word, that we are no longer greatly astonished by his teaching and by his work. But we respond with, okay, that's cool. Sure. Ho hum. That response to Jesus is insanity. And it's an offense to him. It's inappropriate and sinful. And so it is in my own heart. I have been asking the Lord more and more and more to give me this renewed astonishment and astoundment and amazement at him. So are you and have you been bored with Jesus? Is your Christianity a practice of church-going and religious activity? Or is it an ever-growing, life-transforming relationship with him. It's pretty incredible to think about being bored with this revelation of Jesus. It makes me think of my children. I was just on a road trip with them. We drove to Alabama last week, so that's 12 hours in the car with six kids. So all the parents said, God bless you. Amen. Y'all understand. Snacks on snacks on snacks. And one of the things that would drive me nuts is we would give them something, an activity, or something to do, and like within two minutes they would say, I'm bored. And I'm like, I literally just gave you something to do. Well, I'm bored. Like you have something to do right in front of you. It's an activity. It's fun. You have something to do. And they're looking at it and they're saying, I'm bored. And so it is, though, with us that we have this Jesus right in front of us. And he has been given to us. And then we look at that. And we spend two minutes in the word. And then we say, I'm bored. And God the Father's like, what? What? How are you bored? And the problem is not with Jesus, because he is amazing beyond we can understand. The problem is with us. And so here's what my goal is this morning, is that we would no longer be bored with Jesus, and that our response to him would be in proportion to who he is. And that those of you who are here and have not committed to a relationship with Jesus, that your response to him would be in proportion to who he is, not in proportion to what others think about him, not in proportion to what people say about him, not in proportion to the traditions you were raised about him, not in proportion to your own views and thoughts about him, not in proportion to what the world thinks about him, about him, but that your response to him would be in proportion to who he is and how he has revealed himself and that you would respond directly to that 
And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with just the start of the book, the very first simple three verses this morning. Mark 1, 1 through 3 says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. So here's the very beginning of Mark, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark is about the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, that's what we're going to learn through Mark, and I'm going to give you a few sentences about it. The gospel is the good news that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are sufficient for your salvation. I want you to do a quick test too. I'm about to read a few more. And I want you to just test whether your heart is moved by this or not. Right now, just test whether as I share these very simple, very basic, if you've grown up in church or been saved for any time at all, you already know them. As I share these things with you, is your response to be honest with yourself, not what you know you ought to feel. You say, okay, that's cool, awesome. Or is your response awe and wonder? So the gospel is the good news that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are sufficient for your salvation. And we will learn about his life, death, and resurrection as we explore the book of Mark. The gospel is the good news that through repentance of your sin and simply putting your faith in Christ, you can be saved from an everlasting suffering experience in hell apart from God and be given an everlasting experience of joy in heaven with God. Simply by confessing that you're a mess up and believing in the work of someone else to save you. That's good news. The gospel is the good news that in Jesus Christ, God is ultimately for you, that God dwells with you, and that this is ridiculous. He even dwells in you. The gospel is the good news that you do not have to be good enough because Jesus is perfect, and you do not have to save yourself because that is what Jesus does for you. The gospel is the good news that you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be good enough for anyone. You don't have to be good enough for that different work assignment. You don't have to be good enough to be enough because Jesus is good enough. You and I will never be good enough. Our sin will always keep us from being good enough, but we don't have to be good enough because Jesus was good enough for us. We don't have to save ourselves or figure ourselves out or find ourselves because that's what Jesus does for us. This is good news. The gospel is not about what you can do for God, but it is all about what God has already done for you. Now let me ask you something. Is your version of Christianity more about what you can do for God? Or is it more about what God has done for you? Because as we've said before, we get those two things swapped out. And the first and primary thing is not what you can do for God what you can accomplish for him, but what God has done for you. Ultimately, the gospel is the good news that you can go from being an enemy of God, destined for wrath because of your sin, to being a friend of God, 
destined for heaven because of his suffering and the salvation on the cross. This is the gospel. This is the good news of the Bible. And the gospel is good news every day, not just one time. It's good news for the person believing upon Jesus today. It's good news for you. You walked in here a complete and total mess. Welcome to the club. We are all a complete and total mess. You walked in here and you've heard the good news that Jesus knows everything about you and he loves you anyways. That although you cannot perform well enough to go into heaven, Jesus performed perfectly for you. And that although you owe God a debt because of your sin, Jesus died to pay your sin. And now he has risen from the dead and he offers you hope and a new life and a resurrection in his name. And he says that is available to you today and this morning. The gospel is good news for you today that you would believe and trust in him. But also the gospel is good news for those of you who have been following Jesus for 50 years because it is still true that you are not enough, but Jesus is enough. It is still true that you cannot save yourself, but Jesus saves you. It is still true that Jesus not only is for you, but with you, and he even dwells in you. The gospel is still true that Jesus loves you you, even though he knows what you did last night, the gospel is true. And the gospel is good news. Good news to the new believer. Good news to the 60-year-old saint. Now my question again to you, is your heart moved by the good news? being honest with yourself. And do you hear that and you go, okay, thanks, that's cool, sure. As we go through Mark, we're going to see these big broad truths laid out in detail, which is why, especially for those of you who are here for the first time or exploring the faith, I'm really asking you to not just give us today, but to give us the next 10 weeks so that you can get a full and real understanding of the details of his life, the details of his death, the details of his resurrection, and what does that mean for you. And so we're going to be exploring that together, and I hope you continue to join us on that journey. As we look at verses 2 and 3, we learn a couple simple truths. It says, as it is written, Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. This is a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40 which was written way before the book of Mark. And what we're gonna see from this simply is that the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ is a part of God's plan from the very beginning of time. And then as we see the life of Jesus unfold, what you're gonna see is that the Bible makes sense and that everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament becomes true and realized more and more so in the New Testament. And that with every move Jesus makes, he makes good on the promises of God in the Old Testament. And that we learn that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And that the evidence for the life of Jesus comes in the fulfillment of so many prophecies, that he is the Messiah, that he is the fulfillment of God's plan, and that what is happening in the book of Mark and what happened 2,000 years ago isn't a random spot in history, but is really the culmination, the apex of God's plan from before the beginning of time. And so what we're reading in on is the culmination of the plan of the God of the universe before time began. And if that doesn't fill you with awe and wonder to say, I get to read about the culmination of the plan of the infinitely wise God that he made before the beginning of the universe, then once again, you're missing what's really in front of you. 
This helps us as well because so many of you may be saying, I wish God would make himself more obvious. Maybe you have friends and family, maybe you're here today and you say, well, if God were real, wouldn't he make himself more obvious? And what I wanna say to you is he has made himself abundantly obvious by coming literally to earth in the person and work of Jesus Christ, taking on flesh and having a presence in the world with people in a totally evidentiary, obvious way, rising from the dead, being crucified on the cross and rising from the dead in a historically reliable, verifiable, obvious way. And that if you wish God would just make himself clear, he has. He has made himself abundantly clear by literally coming to earth in the person and work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. God does not want you to be confused about who he is. God does not want you to take a blind leap in the dark. God does not want you to take your best guess. He has come, Hebrews 1 says, that God spoke originally through the prophets, but ultimately and finally through his Son. God is revealing himself to you this morning. God is revealing himself to you right now through the word of God, through the presence of Jesus Christ, through the gospel and the good news. And God is calling for a response to him. God has made himself abundantly clear. To those of you who are here and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, I have this word for you as we move and we go from this point to live the lives God has called us to live. Everybody that came before Christ did the work of preparation. It says here, behold, I send a messenger who will prepare the way of the Lord. Ministry before Christ was a work of preparation, but ministry after Christ is a work of proclamation. And what I want you to understand is that you and I have the obligation of proclamation. Paul said it so himself. He said, woe am I if I do not preach the gospel. And what I want you to feel is both the privilege and the obligation that this is not the work of just pastors or Christian leaders, that this is the work of everyday Christ followers, that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have been given the good news that is what saves people. It is not your wisdom. It is not your intellect. It is not your persuasiveness. It is not your knowledge. It is not your charisma. It is not your resources. It is not your ability that saves anyone. It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. And so now God has empowered you with the good news, and you have the obligation of proclamation that the ministry before Jesus was a ministry of preparation, but the ministry after Jesus is a ministry of proclamation, and it is the ministry of every single person who calls themselves a follower of Christ. To call yourself a Jesus follower is to now call yourself a Jesus proclaimer, an evangelist, and a person who has and is obligated to share the good news of who he is is and what he has done. And this is what I hope the Lord brings to you today is not just, not just an activity to go do because you're supposed to be a person who shares the gospel, but that as we explore who Jesus is and as we even do so today, that you would be renewed in your awe of him that you would be astounded at who he is, that you would be amazed at what he has done, and that you being overwhelmed with who he is and what he has done would lead towards a life of sharing who he is and what you have done. I think many of you have tried to be obedient without being in awe. And your efforts to be obedient without being in awe are simply gonna burn you out and make you frustrated. It's gonna turn your relationship into a group of rules. But what God wants you to do is to be obedient from being in awe 
to renew this relationship with Jesus, to be amazed at who he is. The greater he gets, the smaller people will get to you. You'll be less afraid and things will be less awkward because you're just simply amazed at who he is and consumed by his presence and so excited about the good news. What you have to share isn't bad news. It isn't something you should be afraid of saying, but it is the best news. It is the good news. And it is the fact that people can have salvation in Jesus's name. And so the Lord has called you, has equipped you, and is leading you to be a person who proclaims the good news, but is obedient from a place of awe. And so what I'm here to do and what I hope to accomplish over these next 10 weeks is primarily to facilitate by the work of the Holy Spirit a renewed awe and astonishment and amazement at who Jesus is. And from this place of renewing this relationship with him, that we would all go live in obedience to share who he is with others, to be holy and pursue likeness to Jesus, and to be the kind of people God is asking us to be. I want to close with a couple of verses that have been stuck in my head over these last few months. I've been reading in Romans just personally, and Paul starts and closes the book of Romans the same way. In Romans 1 verse 5, he says this, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. And he closes in Romans 16 verse 26 with this, But now it has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So he's saying, I am writing and giving my life to bring about the obedience of faith, that people would be obedient to pushing their faith in Jesus Christ for the sake of his name amongst all nations, that people from all languages, cultures, and tribes would know the name of Jesus and would be obedient to putting their faith in him. He says, this is my aim. This is what I have been called to do. This why I'm writing you this letter. This is why I want you to support me on my journeys. And then he closes with the same thought, that my job is to bring about the obedience of faith in all nations. And that phrase has just been driving me nuts and has been captivating my heart, that my mission and my life and the mission of the church and anybody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus is to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name amongst all nations. And what an amazing place God has put us right here in D.C. to be a part of this work. And so are you joining God in this work to bring about the obedience of faith? God wants you to know him personally, and he wants you to share him publicly. I had a friend, I'll give you this final thought, who went on a, a business trip. I remember very specifically he was a wealthy friend. He went on this business trip to Aspen, and he was telling me about this business trip to Aspen and all the things he got done there, and I, I began to ask him about Aspen, and I hear Aspen's really beautiful, and there's all sorts of wonderful things you can do to enjoy the scenery and to have a good time in Aspen, and I bet it was amazing to see all the things that you could see in Aspen. And he looked at me very short and quickly, and he said, I was too busy for that. And I thought, wow, you missed out on the beauty of being in such a unique and wonderful place because you were too busy. And so it is my fear with many of you and with myself that you are missing out on the beauty of Jesus, that you're missing out on the awe of being in his presence, that you're missing out on the scenery of a life walking with him simply because you're too busy and you have traded out beauty for busyness. 
And God wants to call you back to a place where you open your eyes and you enjoy the beauty of who he is and you start to look at the scenery of the life that he wants you to live with him and that your relationship to him becomes one of astonishment, amazement, and a great awe and wonder. Let me pray for us. Let's respond to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for revealing who he is. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray for any heart in the room that has yet to receive the good news that your life, death, and resurrection are sufficient for salvation that you would open their heart and their eyes now and that they would respond to the call to trust and follow you. I pray for all of us, Lord. I pray, God, I pray for a spirit of repentance, God, that we would confess our busyness and our boredom and that you would bring grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would renew awe and wonder at who you are, that we would be a people of relationship to you. Oh, Lord, renew the beauty, renew the love, renew the wonder of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Make us a people, God, all about Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask by the work of your Spirit, you would do that now, that you would do that over these next 10 weeks, and that you would do that really forever in the rest of our life, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.